0: Ground Up Podcast. I'm your host Justin Neary. Thanks for joining. Us. Welcome back for another episode of Built from the Ground Up. Today we're going to talk about everything. So it's been a while since I've recorded, and a lot's been going on. So I wanted to just go over a bunch of things that are going through my mind. Some things that I'm learning. Some pains. Maybe not specifically. Um. But in general, some of the pains we're going through, I'll get as specific as I can without um, airing any dirty laundry. But so basically, the last couple of weeks, we've been making progress. We've been getting somewhere. We've we've got another technician in training, and I thought I had my systems worked out so that we could just bring someone in. And it would smoothly uh, be a smooth transition. Get that person trained, and continue moving forward and keep scaling. Well, guess what? Nope, doesn't work that way. Um. So I had to I had to readjust. And here's the thing. So when when things are planned out, and when I realize that oh they're not going as planned, or maybe you know, the process didn't go so well on an appointment, or, or perhaps perceived mistakes have been made. The thing you can't do, and I'm learning this, is it's no one's fault but mine. So, okay, the technician makes a mistake, forgets something. In the end, it's my fault. So think about that. When, When you have a process, perhaps you have a standard operating procedure for going on a sweep of some sort let's call it oil now if you live in the northeast or perhaps other areas oil around here is pretty popular and a large amount of these oil systems we uh, sweep the they're really dirty and from my experience, when an oil flue is that disgusting and filled with soot, there's obviously a problem with the unit. It's not tuned right. It's running too rich, whatever, whatever. Maybe someone knows more about that. But really, you shouldn't have that much soot buildup in the chimney, in my opinion. Maybe I'm dead wrong, but <laughs> it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way as far as I'm concerned. Now, when we get into those kind of situations, there's a possibility for if we don't follow our processes, um, we might end up with some soot in a basement. Well, you know, I, I, as an owner, I can get all bent out of shape if that happens, but whose fault is it? Do I blame the employee? Perhaps some, you know, there, there's a bit of, of, uh, responsibility there if if you have technicians going into the house but accidents do happen as well and and sometimes you know we can jump to conclusions customer calls upset well we don't have the whole story sometimes the customers only tell half of the story you know what that's a whole other subject altogether but in the end um, the mistakes that are made perhaps they're the owner's fault and why do I say this well Maybe the training wasn't good enough yet, or maybe you didn't go over enough information as to why something was important. Maybe the equipment you had on the truck was not sufficient. In our case, we got thrown for a loop because we have two vehicles running. Um, One of them is my truck, it's just a pickup, and it's not ideal for doing service work. And we have another bigger van, and uh, it was down for about two weeks for something simple, but you know, it, it went down. Uh, we had to we had to deal with it. So our schedule got messed up because now there's only one work vehicle running. Um, and we can blame a lot on the situation or conditions or it wasn't my fault. It wasn't this person's fault. But in the end, it's the owner's responsibility. and everything is my fault if there's something wrong. You know there again, there's some responsibility with if someone didn't follow a procedure that we've all agreed upon was the way to do it. But why didn't they follow it? Was it because there wasn't the right equipment? They didn't... Whatever. It, it's ultimately the owner's responsibility to make sure that everyone's following the, the uh, procedures. And they follow them because why they want to follow them, not because they're forced to follow them. And something I learned a little bit this week, I think I've heard this before, but John Caesar had it in his podcast I think no, 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 no. He had other good points. This was in one with Mark Stoner and Chuck Roythouse. Um Chuck said, "Include your technicians in the creation of your SOPs." And up until yesterday, I didn't re- even if I knew this or heard this before, I didn't really pay attention. And I thought about it. If they're a part of the the creation of those, they take more ownership. So up until now, I I just had them written out and here, here it is. Follow these. I know what I'm doing. Here's what we have to do. Well, it seems to work better when they write them. So what we did yesterday, we finished up a a job early. I was with um, two of my guys on a fireplace job. We finished and we went to Starbucks and we took out, sat outside and took out the SOPs out of the van and I asked them to review it go over this. Here's a pen, write some notes, change things. Let's see what we we need to do a little differently. And I think that'll help. We still have some more sessions to do with that. But when, when the guys doing the work have a hand in creating the process, they feel better about it. They take more ownership over it. It's partly them. So now they're going to do it. They came up with it rather than me just telling them. And that I think is very important. One of the things I'm learning too is just because you tell somebody something once, twice, three times, doesn't always mean it sticks. You know, that's, that's your, that's your creation. You made that procedure up. You made that rule up, whatever you want to call it. It gets potentially ignored. Now that's whatever the reason for that, I don't know, but. Get used to with employees telling them more than once. But don't just tell them. Help them to reason on why. Um, What I'm trying to work on is leadership and training. And so on a job, if someone says, what do you want to do? What should we do here? I'm trying not to give the answer. I ask the question, what do you think we should do? See how they do. And if if they don't have all of it, you know, help them out. But let people take ownership of processes. Show them how to do something and let them have at it. If they're messing up, give them pointers and don't just take it and do it. And that's what I do a lot. I'll just be like, all right, well, you can't handle this yet, so let me do it. That's not very fun for them. If you're If guys are on a job, they don't want to stand there just watching you they need to feel important they need to be used they need to be doing something not just helping you john caesar talked about that we don't want helpers if you want to grow a business you don't want helpers you want you want people that are going to 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 go somewhere and do things and grow and become leaders if you take a guy around and he's just grabbing stuff and handing you things and your barking orders, go get me this, go get me that. They're not going to stay long. They're not going to grow. They're not going to become leaders. So just a couple things that are in my mind about that lately. Um, we've been just in general, we've been having a lot of pain. And if you're in business, you understand that there'll be weeks, periods of time where there's just lots of pain. Things aren't going great, but you have to, you just have to figure out what to do to make them better. Get through it, learn from it, and grow. And it was tough for a couple of weeks here, but I think we're we're getting our groove back. Um, and sometimes you have to have a conversation with an employee that's not comfortable. You know, if if you notice things, you've got to talk to them. You've got to you've got to tell them they've got uh, food on their lip. You know, you, you have to say it, and you, but you need to be kind. That's important. Um, never lash out at people and that's that can be a struggle too so just have to treat people the way you want to be treated and and it's it works if you tell people what they're doing that's not great and how to correct it ask them why let give them a chance to talk about it um, you'll see improvements for sure I've 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 seen this to be true now another point completely on the a different topic I wrote some notes down, and one of the things I'm trying to do these days is make do with what I have, what we have. You might get caught up, and I did for a brief period of time. You see money rolling in, and you realize, oh, I need this tool, I need that, I've got to do this, And, and you start buying stuff. Cash flow is incredibly important and hard to wrangle in a service business. Maybe it's easier in other businesses. I don't even, I don't know. Who knows? Here's what will happen. And this happened to us. We did a fireplace, factory built fireplace installation. I brought in some help from my friends out in another area. They do chimney work. They wanted to be part of the the new fireplace, the forever fireplace. It's a good, good, good system. So I had sufficient help. We got that thing banged out in a day. And what happened, though, was there was a missing part. It wasn't right or, you know, whatever. We'll, I won't cast any blame. We'll just say we didn't have something we needed. But it wasn't my fault. But we'll pretend that it was. <laughs> so guess what happens? You know, we got, a, we got a deposit on the job, but it wasn't a lot. It was a very small deposit. And that's something that uh, you need to probably look into. I need to look into that. Um, make sure you get a big enough deposit to cover labor in case something goes wrong and the and the finish of the job is delayed. So that one part cost me three weeks of time by the time we got back to finish the job. So a substantial amount of cash income was held up for several weeks. Um, that creates issues because as a small business you don't have massive amounts of cash built up usually at least for a while now there's there's ways of getting that set up but the point is um you can get into cash flow problems with these kind of jobs quickly so make sure you have processes in place to help eliminate that problem if you do have to take a pause on a job and finish it in a couple weeks whatever make sure you've got something set up for that Because your guys still want to be paid, Uh, but you don't get paid for the job. And then things can stack up and you have a, a problem with cash flow. So one of the ways I've been dealing with that kind of thing is getting a better hold of my accounting processes. And I'm doing that with the profit first approach. Now, I've talked about that before, but it's super awesome. Profit first Just get the book, read it. Do the auto, uh, Audible, whatever, and listen to the author read it. He gives you extra stuff. He says some extra things along the way that are pretty good, I think. But the the point is, you you've got to have a system for how you pay your bills and where your cash is or your income's going. And I think I've got a good handle on it now. And if you're true to the process, it will work. It's working, but there are times like I just mentioned with the cash flow problem that you could get a little sketchy. But when you're doing it according to the way the author suggests it and some of the extra things he says you can do, you build in um, things to eliminate that problem. Now, a lot of guys will talk about uh, you need to have um, a credit line. That's fine. If you want a credit line, go ahead. I'm not in the mood for a credit line right now. I don't want it. Maybe that's foolish, but at my size, I I don't want to be relying on other people's money. I want to see if I can make this thing profitable and pay for itself as I go. I got a little um, excited with growth and trying to get things moving fast, but what I'm determined to do now is grow slowly and do it very calculated. And I'm all about making do with what I have. So in the past, I might be tempted to just go and buy equipment for each job, new stuff, but I'm trying to do it differently now. It doesn't mean we don't get good equipment, but I'm more focused on saving money than making money. What do I mean by that? Well, there's, there's ways of making more money if you, some people scale up, scale up, scale up, and more more gross equals more profit. Well, there's a thing that seems to happen based on my reading and talking to people. Okay, you can grow, but your, your expenses don't go at a nice linear graph line. Like you can have a big curve and what's now required just to support that income. And that's a tricky thing. And you can make do a million in gross and then have t- um, 1.2 million in expenses. So where, where are you at? You're in the negative $200,000 and you think you've got all this money rolling. Well, there's different reasons for that, I suppose. But I'm trying to keep it so that it's, it's paying for itself as it goes and I'm stockpiling money up. And the only way to do that, in my opinion, is to, is to use some sort of method similar to the profit first. And what that basically means is every bit of income that comes in gets allocated on the 10th and the 25th, sometimes in between those days, depending on cash flow and whatnot. But I have a bunch of bank accounts. And as you go, you tweak the numbers of percentages of what goes to where, but the income account is where everything comes and then you put it into money into a profit account. And, I, and I've talked about these before, just get the book. I don't even feel like talking about the whole thing, but then I have basically a vault account in addition to tax account, which taxes are important. So that money needs to be allocated right away. So everything that comes in immediately just gets allocated for what it should go to. If I don't have money for something, then we don't do it. So it's like if I tell you um, for the whole month you have this half of tube of, of toothpaste, you'll make do with it because you know that you, you have to. But if I give you a full tube of toothpaste and don't give you any requirements, you'll probably use it up and then have to go through another one. So the point is we can make do with a lot less if we need to. And it's all about profiting first. So I kind of went off on my original question, I think, but I don't necessarily want to increase my sales right now. What I'm focusing on is reducing my expenses because I had a lot of them pile up really fast and I had to go through and take an honest look at them and see which of the things I really needed and which I didn't. And that's how I increased profits right away. So that's an important thing. Like everything counts towards it. Software, all these random bills you get per month. Is it something that's absolutely necessary? If not, get rid of it. Worst case scenario, you can add it back if you need it. And I'm talking everything. We look at these individual things and say, well, that's only $6 a month. That's only $11 a month. That's only 150 Well, guess what? That stuff adds up over the year. And in my business, I rather make the most of what we have rolling in rather than tr- always be trying to get more and more business because you don't catch up that way. It doesn't work. This I've been in other businesses in this realm of chimneys. And so I understand it. this is not my first rodeo. I wasn't in charge of every aspect of it before, but I see what can happen very fast. You look at those numbers, your income's coming in. Okay, great. Oh, yeah, they, I got income. And you spend it up faster than it's coming in. And just looking at QuickBooks and doing a quick profit and loss, that doesn't tell you anything. And maybe accountants will argue that all day with me. But here's why profit and loss does not show you everything If in certain situations. For for me, for example, if my I run a profit and loss, and it says so far for this year um, I have let's just say these are fake numbers but let's say i have $50,000 of 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 profit and it's never going to be that based on these reports like it's not truly accurate you got to do a bunch of other reports and factor things in why do i say that because if you're an llc and you're taking an owner draw you're getting paid that way instead of an actual paycheck that gets taxes taken out of it weekly like your employees so okay i have 50,000 in the green from on my profit and loss this year yeah but guess what go look up on your um, what's it called your your balance sheet go down to your owner draw section and drill down far enough to get to the current year you're in and see how much you paid yourself and that doesn't get taken into consideration on that profit and loss because it it acts like as far as the accounting is concerned the money you gave to yourself is still there you know it's not an expense just like all of your other bills so it doesn't that profit and loss report doesn't tell you a whole lot you've got to now subtract out your pay if you're doing owner draws side point so for me the profit first approach i don't look at these reports to see how my business is doing i know that sounds kind of weird i have other individual reports like based on jobs and the expenses and i track that but what how i tell how my business is doing is i look at all my bank accounts which are set up for all different types of things and i see what balance is there and i can see it in a minute and then i can look at my bills section of quickbooks and see what i owe and immediately know where i stand now there's more to it than that but it's it's It just works and you're always allocating money as soon as it comes in so you're never wondering oh I hope I don't have any tax bills coming up I hope I don't have you just know you put your bills into QuickBooks as they come in that's important make sure they're in there to factor in don't wait until they're due and then try to have to pay them and they haven't been factored into all of your however you're doing reporting it'll sneak up on you quick and then your van blows up and costs you twelve hundred dollars for something basic. And then some guy hits your mirror, and that costs you eight hundred dollars. And the insurance, his insurance company only pays uh, half of it because he he says that he just the road was too thin. But he told the guys <laughs> what he was driving that uh, we'll just we'll say a different story. So, needless to say, now I have dash cams in my vehicles. So that's a couple random points there. Um, Let's see, what else? Training, 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 training. That's important if you're running a service business and you're setting guys loose. It's not as much uh, enough to just uh, show them how to do everything and say, good, you got it. Okay, go ahead and do it. It's not enough really even to... Um, send them to CSIA certification and think they're good. They're not, you, they, there's so much more that's needed. So you've got to train people to be you. You've got to clone yourself. And that's a, that's a book too. Um, I just read that. Well, listen to it. It's not as easy as some other books to listen to slash read. I got a little, got a little dull for a while in there, but it's got some good concepts. Um, and when you, when you're trying to clone yourself, it's important that you remember that people have to want to do something. They're not going to just do it because they're working for you. They're not going to buy into this just because you pay them a good rate. It's your business. It's not theirs. They're not going to feel the same way about it. Um, so it takes time and I'm learning that I thought just because I told people, this is what I expect of myself, that they would just buy into it and just try to be the same. It's not going to work that way. They don't have the same level of commitment to it because it's not theirs. You can't expect that. So you have to build enthusiasm some way, somehow, and that's up to you and the way you do business and your personality and the, and the people you hire. And I'm learning that. Uh, I've read... Most of this book in the past, I've got to finish it. I got into other things. How to win friends and influence people. There's there's so much in here, and how to get people to do what you would like them to do, and not not by manipulating them, but by convincing them to buy into what you're excited about and giving them a reason to be excited about it. And it's and it's a really hard thing to do, especially. I mean, we're <laughs> We're not sending rockets to to space here and people are all going to be excited about it. We're cleaning chimneys and ripping out fireplaces and putting new ones in place and parging smoke chambers and putting liners in. I mean, it's not, we might get excited about it. Like, oh, chimneys are so exciting because that's our business and we own it. But we can't expect everyone to just be driving down the road like we do and looking at chimneys all the time. And and they it's not they they not they're not going to have that same level of enthusiasm unless they have a reason to be enthused about it or enthusiastic. So find that way, make it exciting somehow. Let them grow as a person. Show them clear paths. Something I started doing this week at the advice of uh, John Caesar podcast. Lend me your ears. He talks about. Um, giving people more responsibilities. I, I don't know exactly how I word it. He words it very well and, and articulated it very nicely. But what I did this week, um, I gave some responsibilities out and I have to flesh them out a little bit more. And, and But what we're doing, like, so here's what it was. Um, man, this van is really disorganized. We're getting tools put back in the wrong places. Um, employee number one, what if we made you in charge of the van inventory? Making sure everything's where it needs to be, every the van has what it needs to have. Can you develop a system for that? Do you think you can come up with something for that? That could be one of, that could be something you're in charge of. And I think it works. I mean, it's it's here's your responsibility. This is something to own. Come up with a system, let me know what you come up with, and we'll see if it's gonna work for us. We'll we'll make it work the way you, you come up with. If if I have any input, we can add to it. But this is your thing. Come up with it. Um, the new one of our new guys. So we have three guys now in an office person. Um he's new. Just, you know, we're trying to, we're getting him familiar with everything, but here's your job right away. Here's your responsibility. See these vacuum cleaners. You're now in charge of making sure that these things operate well. They're cleaned. Um, filters are nice and clean. They're in good shape and they're going to work for us. Another guy, uh, you're in charge on the jobs. You're your safety manager. Make sure everything is set up safely. Call people out if they're not wearing their helmets. You know, give people something to be responsible over and let see how they do with it. And then just keep giving them more. And where where we're going, um, you know, people like to have money as a reward for doing more. um, But not everybody's motivated just by getting more money, you know. So with these things, I was very clear. You're you're not getting more money to be overseeing these things. This is just part of your job now. And this is something to take ownership over. Um, But in the near future, and we've had this discussion and everyone seems to be on board we're going to move over to commission-based pay. We're not set up just yet to be able to do that, but it seems as though everyone's on board with that because it gives everyone now the power to make more money. Uh, you don't have to come and ask me for a raise. You'll be in charge of what you get paid. You, you, it's in your hands. You can give yourself a raise every week if you want, depending on how much you put into something. And it's, and it's good money if the, you know, percentages will work out well for people. So one of the things out of this book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, just, here's just some, some interesting points. This says, in a nutshell, six ways to make people like you. Now, it goes into each one of these principles in detail. But principle one, become generally, genuinely interested in other people. Do you ever talk to someone... And you tell them about uh, something you're you just did or you're going through whatever, and then they they say yeah yeah I know, and then they immediately start talking about themselves in a situation they had similar to that. Pay attention to that. You'll see people doing that a lot, and it's completely insane. But we all do it because we all care just about ourselves, really, and what we and our experience in that subject, and then we give our advice or whatever. But but be interested in people and listen to what they have to say. Just let them talk and say, yeah, and then ask a question. Well, how did? what did you do when that happened? Don't just immediately start talking about an experience you had that's similar. Be interested in other people. Principle two, smile. That's a big one. It means a lot. Just smile. That simple. Principle three, remember that a person's name is to that person, the sweetest and most important sound in any, uh, in any language. Stew on that one. I'm not going to get into that because I forget all that said about it, but it's an interesting point. Remember that a person's name is to that person, the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Principle four, be a good listener. This goes, this goes back to what I was just talking about. Be a good listener, encourage others to talk about themselves so let get people to open up principle 5 talk in terms of the other person's interests so give them a, a new job to do or a new task or something to be responsible for but help them to see why it's in their best interest that this be done and when they when they accomplish this what it's going to do for them and the company as well principle 6 make the other person feel important and do it sincerely everyone just wants to be important that's what it comes down to so make them feel that way same thing when you deal with a perhaps a customer that's uh, grumpy about something acknowledge their feelings make them feel important make it right and move on don't argue the point we had this happen it connects back to something I was saying earlier a guy was telling me how things weren't done right this but the i didn't want to argue this is how they're done this is the way we do things now in this industry i could have said sorry you're wrong the last three guys you had there were doing it the old way which is not good and it, this is why your chimney has never actually been cleaned but no i just said yeah no i appreciate that I apologize for this that and the other um we want to make sure you're happy Blah blah blah, so on and so forth. So you just acknowledge, let people be important, and don't you don't have to argue everything. I didn't argue there, and I mean the guy was mad about something, but when I and he left a nasty message, I called him, acknowledged his feelings. Um. You know, was was sincere about everything I said, and he didn't yell at me once, and he was totally fine. I went to his house, delivered a uh, gift card and his money back was pleasant as could be. Move on. We just, we didn't make any money there. Um, let somebody tell us we didn't do things the way that the other guys always did it. <laughs> but that's not really how you do it anymore. Well, we do it better. And let him smack us around a little bit, and moved on. Now he, f- he feels good, we feel good. Um, and it's over and done with. So that's all about all I have to say this week. Maybe there's something that will help you here. Maybe not. I I just needed to ramble a little bit about what was going on. I don't have any um, amazing, profound things to say and how to grow your business, but this is what's going on with mine. So right now where we're at, uh, we have our our office person taking calls, setting appointments, taking care of all of that. We have two uh, CSIA certified techs and we have a new guy, um, who's in training, and myself. So I've, I've been hitting the road a lot more and doing more work. I spent a lot of time in the office f- for a few months um, while the two techs were out taking care of service calls. But now we have that odd man, and so I'm, I'm trying to jump in and, and alternate uh, guys and, and, and train a little bit and we're all doing jobs together, but you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit of an awkward spot with the people we have as far as the amount and skill level now, cause you can't send a completely green guy out on his own. But, um, I, I think we've got a system worked out. Uh, it seems to be working. We're going to get crazy busy like everybody very soon. So we're gearing up for that. And, um, But other than that, that's all I have to say. I appreciate you coming along this journey. If you have any questions specifically for me, you can reach out to me on Facebook. And uh, maybe I have an answer. Maybe I don't. Maybe we'll find an answer together. But until then, be safe out there and keep moving forward. That's the key. Adios.